I think if we spend a little bit more time talking to each other and uh, listening to each other, then there are some really fascinating and beautiful truths to hear. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Making the Difference podcast. I'm Harriet Vickers. This week, it's a slight departure from what we normally do. We're looking at patient experiences and stories and how listening to and telling those experiences can improve healthcare. I have someone sat in front of me who is going to explain that and make all of it make sense. She is Helen Morant and she is the content lead at BMJ. So hello, Helen. Hi, Harriet. I've said you're the content lead. You're kind of, I see you as sort of a content pied piper. So you sort of go around the building, bringing things together. And you're a very good new media advocate as well. You're the person who sits there in meetings going, hmm, have you thought about that as a video? Um, yes. I mean, I suppose that's a very interesting perception of what my job is, which often, <laughs> often feels like banging my head against a brick wall. Um, but my job at the moment at the BMJ is about thinking about all of the different types of content we make and making sure that we're thinking creatively about how we communicate to our various audiences. Yeah, sounds good. And um, your latest project was it's kind of off the back of something that you did at the forum I wasn't there so you have to tell me more about how it went but essentially you got a load of docs and other healthcare professionals in a room taught them basics of uh, recording audio and then got them to go and interview each other about their experiences as patients and then collected these yes. so what was all that about well I'm passionate about podcasts generally and the power of narrative so a couple of years ago I ran a session just talking about that power of storytelling and how people using podcasts are starting to do that really well in lots of different ways and um, there's a few interesting examples of of the power of people's own stories in America there's a project called Story Core which is quite a big organization where people go into a booth and have a conversation with each other that is recorded. We have a version in the UK called The Listening Project, which is run by the BBC um, and the British Library. And again, it's about bringing people together to have a conversation. And I think both of those I found quite inspiring, partly because they're really, they always give a great example of a truth, which is that everyone has a good conversation in them and everyone is inherently interesting okay and I think so often in today's media we look for experts and we look for interesting and exciting and people who already feel they've got a lot to say or whose job it is to be a spokesperson yeah whereas in fact if we spend a little bit more time talking to each other and uh, listening to each other then there are some really fascinating and beautiful truths to hear yeah, definitely. I mean, kind of storytelling is almost quite trendy at the moment in a way. So you've got stuff like This American Life, which is just fascinating and gets to the bottom of human nature quite a lot of the time. And you've got things like The Moth, got these storytelling events popping up where people go to open mics and they tell each other stories. Yeah. So, yeah, and they are very um, entertaining, mm-hmm. but there is more to them than that I think and you started to explore that and show that when you moved into healthcare so do you want to tell me what the link is there and why you wanted to do that? Yeah so I think the reason I wanted to do it I think increasingly healthcare is becoming more aware of engaging with the recipients of the healthcare (laughs) that is to say the patients yeah 
we're still doing that in a fairly top-down sort of way, in a sort of bringing patients up to where where the professional is. Um, we like to say we're all about the patient, but actually we're sometimes very much asking them to engage on on on, on professional terms with us. Mm. When you have a conversation and a story told between two peers you get a very different view of what's important to that person and you get a a perception of who that person really is apart from perhaps their disease or apart from how you might see them in a professional context so okay so part of it was that leveling yeah yeah yeah. so what what did people what did you want people to get out of that experience I really wanted to get people through a couple of barriers that I think stop people doing doing this sort of thing well and one is just the it's difficult to do technically Mm. and we're here sitting in a very nice studio um, but you don't need that at all. And all of all of the clips you're going to hear were recorded on smartphones. And I did want to get people used to hearing their own voice and being happy about it. Yeah. But also ha- having that experience of being actively listened to. And if you've got someone recording what you're saying, there's no greater proof that what you're saying is important than yeah. the fact that someone is recording it. Yeah, yeah. It's just really validating, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. So is it more about the the outcomes, the recording that you get out of it, or is it more about the process? Well, it's it's a very interesting question, and I I think that traditionally we only think about the outcome, mm. um, and we think about making a podcast or making a radio show, and that, and and actually, especially the StoryCorps project is very focused on the process of being interviewed, having a conversation and having that conversation recorded and laid down for posterity for, as, as, as part of an archive is that whole process is, the as you say, validating is a very good word. People found it really interesting to think about listening to patients in a completely different way yeah. from normally. Like we're, tr- we're taught as healthcare professionals a very sort of targeted mode of communication in that we're trying to get information about yeah. the patient uh, to make a decision in our mind based on some other knowledge we have about what the next course of action should be. And and to sort of step away from that and, and have a think about allowing a conversation to happen and therefore finding yeah. out so much more about the pa- patient or the person you're talking to. Yeah. We, we were a group of health care professionals so what I really wanted people to think is that this is not not for them professionally but for patients who are experiencing healthcare and so getting them to talk about experiences where they've been the recipient of healthcare rather than the giver um, I think was was wasn't the point of the exercise but I think it helped people come out as themselves rather than put on their professional hat. Yeah, and I know that wasn't the point, but there was one clip which it, it just really struck me listening to it, how much this person, how much of their experience they took as a patient and put it into being a doctor. So, yeah, let me just play this one. I decided to have a home birth. And uh, this was quite interesting in terms of getting talking it over with my GP. Uh, I lived quite close to a major teaching hospital in London at the time so it wasn't as if I was being totally reckless and the decision was brought about largely 
because when my husband came up to the first antenatal clinic appointment with me, he went cold and clammy and grey about the gills, and I thought, um, I can't bear to try and have birth in this hospital if that's the way he's going to feel about it. Yeah, I mean, coming a, becoming a mother was, was a very special thing. Uh, I tell you, the other thing, once they got me upstairs to to bed uh, with, you know, it was like, well, you better start feeding this baby, you know, mm-hmm. so they were immediately moving into uh, the breastfeeding part of it. And I can remember the colostrum appearing mm. for the first time, and I just, that's when I burst into tears. I couldn't believe my body was so precisely manufactured <laughs> manufactured or triggered or programmed yeah. or whatever you want to call it to to do this it was just phenomenal and i i knew that that colostrum was such a rich nourishing perfect food for my baby mm. i felt it felt fantastic mm. yeah i'm so glad they got me starting to breastfeed there and then I'm a I'm a medic, mm. so I learnt huge a huge amount about uh, expectations around pain. Uh, my um, my trusting to the to the natural processes as opposed to trying to control them. Yeah. To uh, acknowledge that my partner has his own feelings and his own needs, and I needed to respect that. Um, and he did, in the end, make things really beautiful in terms of putting on beautiful music, yes. candlelight. And that really did bring out a huge positive, you know, lots of positive qualities from him. Yeah. Um, and so I think as a professional, it helped me really value the, you know, the, the, the power of a, a good nurturing relationship from, from the person you love yeah. in terms of helping you through things that are difficult and challenging for you. I'm just talking about some pretty fundamental stuff there. So um, experiences of pain, when to intervene, what kind of the role of, you know, the patient's family and and carers are. And I mean, you're not young when you have a kid, are you? No. No. (laughs) This is all adding to her work as a doctor. Yeah, exactly. And I think think there's two things there. I mean, obviously, any experience you have as a patient... Um, when you're a healthcare professional is going to be a a learning experience Mm. um, naturally but I think just hearing her reflect on it is really really interesting and and I think she expresses it very eloquently yeah she does that always helps Mm -hmm. yeah a lot of the um the clips there were quite a few that talked about their experiences as a child or their experiences of their child. I mean, they're about kind of how to interact with patients. Yes, really, yes. But they, they do it often from quite a, a young perspective. Yeah. I agree. I think the, the, the ones where people are talking about their childhood experiences of medicine and healthcare just demonstrate how f- formative those experiences are. Yeah. You really do get to uh, like feel like you're with them. As a child, you're sort of always... in incorporating your experiences into your learning about the world but looking back on them again and working out what was good and what was bad about it uh, I think is really informative. One of the experiences involved um, a doctor having to stick a needle in a sick patient (laughs) in a sick child's ear and how that even that became a positive experience because of how they handled it which I yeah I thought was really lovely so let me just find that one. 
first time I remember I, I went to the GP mm -hmm. and I had this terrible ache in my ear mm -hmm. and I remember distinctively the smell in the waiting room. Mm. It was like a very clean mm -hmm. but also a very uh, comforting, mm. safe smell. Mm -hmm. That's what mm -hmm. I remember. Mm -hmm. And I was a bit scared because mm -hmm. it was uh, the doctor was very large mm -hmm. and I remember that he had big hands mm -hmm. with cushions on it. And I was, I think I was four or five. Mm -hmm. I, was, I, I felt very small. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, well, uh, uh, come and sit on the lap of your father, now mm -hmm. I remember. Mm -hmm. And uh, then he started examining me, uh, pulled my ear and uh, looked in my mouth, looked in my ears. And he told in every step, that I remember very clearly, what he was doing, because he had this light to look into your ear, but I didn't know what it was then. And he said to me, I'm going to look in your ear and this is a lamp. And look, you can shine on the wall. I remember that. And he put it in my ear and he said, well, this is not good. And he talked to my father. And I sat back against my father's chest. They discussed what was happening to me. And he said, well, I have to do something. And it might be a bit painful, mm. but it's also now painful. Though, mm. So mm. afterwards it will be not m any more painful. So I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. Mm. And I don't remember what he exactly told, but I remember I see this large needle mm. which he was going to put into my ear. Mm. And that I found very... I was very scared <laughs> about that. But he did the procedure mm. and it, was, it went very quick. Mm. I can't really remember, uh, I have no trauma, mm. but mm. Uh, <laughs> it's many years ago, more than 15 years ago. So, um, and he put it in my head and I felt instantly relieved, mm. that I remember. So it sounds you had a, a, a nice experience. Yes, that all changed many, many years later, but <laughs> at that moment I had a good experience. Okay, good. Thank you very much for sharing. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. I don't think that that uh, particular procedure would uh, still be going, but there's, it's just like a lovely example, isn't it, of how to interact with someone, how to, you know, talk to them and let them know what you're doing and how to, yeah, get them through that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's so, it just feels so real, doesn't it? Like you when you when he's describing yeah. how he feels, you, you can really feel like that. That, like that small child in the, in the hands of a doctor yeah. and, and how it can remember what that's like. Yeah, definitely. There was another one that kind of touched on... It was another another childhood experience and it was slightly different. It was in, in hospital. I just wanted to, to play that one as well. My first experience was when I was a child, uh, probably about fa between five and seven. I uh, spent some time in hospital then. The nursing staff at night spent a lot of time with you. You were quite scared um, being left in the hospital on your own. Your parents weren't allowed to um, stay over with you. So they would play games, tuck you into bed, you know, say goodnight to you, reassure you when you were scared in case there was anything hiding behind the curtains and stuff like that. I think I uh, was quite young, so what I probably learned was that even though if you're relying on your parents for comfort, and support uh, um, that there is actually other people out there who you can get comfort and support from. 
I'm unsure if it's changed me as such, but certainly as an adult, it's made me aware of being uh, caring for somebody who, uh, who is young and vulnerable and the fact that they might not have their uh, parents or, a, or their adult there with them. Well, I took on board that, so any patients that I, I, I deal with, uh, working with the ambulance service, we're taking patients, vulnerable people, away from their home. I make sure that, um, if at all possible, that I take a relative, family member, or someone who they're, they're close to with them in the ambulance, because at the end of the day, it's their experience, it's not mine, and they have to um, be able to know that they're uh, safe, and uh, sometimes it's quite intimidating a stranger dealing with you um, and doing tests on you and taking you to a hospital that's quite scary. So taking a family member is always a wee bit of reassurance uh, that you've got somebody there to turn to. So again, it's just little things, isn't it? And But they really had a big impact on these people, something that happened to them as a kid. So just the doctor telling them, talking them through each step of a procedure or a nurse giving them a bit of, of comfort in hospital. It's just those those small things that have really stayed with them. Yeah, and I think if you talk to patients about their experience of healthcare generally, the sort of expectations that we'll do the professional side of our job well or correctly is often just assumed. And the, and the bits of the experience that make it a good or a bad experience are the are the little things and sometimes mm. the little things we might have seen modelled when we were children and kept a memory of and gone when I yeah. when I'm a grown up <laughs> maybe even subconsciously when I'm a grown up I'm gonna show that extra bit of compassion to a child who might be uh, afraid or, or or in need or vulnerable yeah um, they're really lovely these these clips that was the word that kept springing to mind I was like this is making me feel so kind of warm and fuzzy about humanity and I was trying to pinpoint exactly why that that was and I think part of it's the the appreciation so these are quite inner thoughts and feelings and ones that people wouldn't normally express so so, I mean doctors are they're providing you a service and they work within a system and they get paid for it yeah but it's there's something really nice about these as an act of saying thank you as well Yes, I think I think that's I think that's true and so often we are so busy in our professional lives that you don't spend any time reflecting and and actually you know thinking about the practice of reflection recording these stories is is that. So when you either record or listen to a a, a story told from the heart you do get the opportunity to think about which bits made you feel good or thankful or grateful for that bit of compassion that you, someone showed you. Yeah, and it was it was the other way around as well. So there was there's a, a clip in here um, where someone who takes blood is talking about their experience of, of their day-to-day life and that the best bit of their job is those conversations and the human interaction. So yeah. that was nice, I think, because it showed it from... From both sides. Yes. Yeah. Should we play the clip? Yeah. yeah. My job involves taking blood, mm-hmm. and as part of my job, I get to go to patients, and when I'm finding a vein, sampling the patient, mm-hmm. I have five minutes to chat to the patient. Mm-hmm. I have five minutes to hear their life story, to hear what affects them, and. Uh, to hear 
the impact of the care they're receiving. And for me, that's that's a privilege because I meet so many diverse people, mm-hmm. and I meet so many people who are interesting. I've never met a person that's boring. Huh. I have met people from from many different professions, people from who have had many different life experiences, um, and people who have many different viewpoints, and to have exposure to those people. Um, and to ha- or to, to comfort them mm-hmm. or to make them laugh mm-hmm. or just to sit and listen to them and, and take on board what they're saying is the highlight of, of my day every day. Okay. My job, you could become very robotic in mm-hmm. and you could go and find a vein and take the blood and walk away. And the job would not be interesting at all. Mm. But the people mm. and the conversations yeah. make the job interesting. Yeah, I think that 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 guy really does demonstrate how you know, he, he's doing this this sort of informal listening work all the time as part of his job. Yeah. He knows by talking to a lot of people that no one's boring. Everyone has an interesting conversation to have with someone else and the act of listening is incredibly powerful and, mm. and can have a, a really transformative effect on, on, on someone. Yeah. So, I mean, how are you hoping this will spread or expand those people that were in that session and made these clips? Is that kind of the end of it? Or do you want them to go and do this more? Well, in, in, in a way, what I was hoping from, and, and I've heard it is happening, is, is people feel they've got another tool and another way of thinking about how they interact with and learn from the patients that they care for Mm. and that the power of the story and really understanding the patient's own story is fundamentally important and is difficult and it's not something that we're normally trained to do in any way particularly Mm. other than as I said with a really sort of specific goal in mind have it just having another tool in your toolbox of getting patients stories out there and into your mind so you can see the whole person rather than just the bit of the disease you you need to treat that day great what would you advise people to do if they want to you know get over that first hurdle of learning how to use their phone to record learning how to not hate their own voice what are the first what are the first steps so in very simple terms, if you've got a smartphone, it's likely to have a voice memo option or a voice recorder option uh, as an app on that phone. You will know that your phone already has a microphone and likely already has speakers. I think one thing I'd say is is getting used to using your headphones does help you focus on what the listener to the audio will hear afterwards beyond that knowing that you can record an audio file and then treat that audio file in the same way that you might treat a photo file Mm. or a document file and then it depends on what you want to do with it so if you want to edit there's a very nice program called audacity which is free software that you can download and then it's up to you where you put it whether you keep it for yourself whether you share it with the patient it's all very much up to you those those are good tips i must say i i always find it 
easier just to listen to you know an example what are your favorites what would you recommend one that I've been getting into recently is a sh- is a show which is a podcast hosted by a comedian called Chris Gethard and he hosts a show called Beautiful Stories from Anonymous People and what he does is sends out he's got plenty of followers on Twitter he sends out a tweet saying about to take a phone call and a number t- for people to call and then he has a rule that he's not allowed to hang up on this person for an hour and the conversation will last an hour okay and it's astonishing where it goes there's been some you know just normal people who arguably are self-selecting by going I'll talk to someone anonymously for yeah. an hour and it might be a podcast that'd be fun but the stories they tell and the way the way he sort of will steer a conversation with them in in a way that gets them to open up and share parts of their life it really does demonstrate what fascinating people people really are (laughs) excellent so Helen thank you very much for for coming in and telling us all of that it's been a very meta pleasure (laughs) a podcast about making podcasts there we go thank you thank you In the next podcast, we are sitting in on a quality improvement debate. It's on, is efficiency the enemy of innovation and improvement? So that'll be up for you in a couple of weeks. And a quick housekeeping note, if you want to make sure you get that episode as soon as it's released and also subsequent episodes, make sure you subscribe. We're now on iTunes and of course you can still keep listening to us on our SoundCloud page. Just search BMJ Making the Difference podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'll be back soon. Oh, this is quite fun, eh?